next guest has a very good view of the CN Tower from his balcony, it looks like, according to his Twitter account. Tweeting out a picture of uh, the Habs-inspired lighting <laughs> last night. It is CJ, Chris Johnson, NHL insider for Sportsnet, and, uh, of course, headlines on Hockey Night in Canada. How's it going, CJ? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? And double vax, boy. Yeah. Double vaxed. Double I'm vaxed. Pumped. Buddy, pump for you. Can't wait to get mine. Yeah, the CN Tower thing was pretty embarrassing. I didn't see that you posted. I was too. I was only worried about you. You know, I I saw your double vax post, and I didn't even care to look at the CN Tower because I thought, you know, there's just things that are more important, and it's your friends getting double vaxed, and that's all that that's, matters. That's the know? kind of guy you are. You know, you're that's, within two weeks of getting a hug from me. So that's right. That's, that's the kind of guy I am. That's the kind of guy I am. So mm-hmm. we want to talk to you today, buddy, because well, I mean, we like talking to you, but. Ben and I have privately been discussing and sharing North Division takes over and over and over again. And we'll never know, right? And maybe we will if Montreal can actually give Vegas or Colorado a push here or how they look. And I I think that they're going to be better than some people are giving them credit for and that they are doing well. But when we look back on this thing, there was a real moment where I thought, hey, we've got to keep the North Division situation alive. And obviously that meant playing teams from the United States moving forward, not having it just be the North Division as it was this season, where the schedule was only against Canadian teams. But now that we've kind of looked at this thing in in full view and that we have seen the way this thing has played out, do you believe that this has put more pressure on Canadian franchises? Are we now starting to do... Because I've got a few different conversation topics off of this, whether it's like ownership groups or the building of these teams or um, having too much attention. Like... I feel as though the Canadian teams are very different than the ones that we've seen south of the border now that we've actually had them at the same time as big-time American games. In what sense? Like, that the the play wasn't up to the standard, you mean? or I thought that, still to me, that Toronto at their best looked the best. Montreal looks like a team that actually has been somewhat built for the playoffs, and they've had Carey Price, and it's been great. The Oilers were awful, and clearly don't look like a team that's ready to contend. I just don't see any of these Canadian teams as contenders right now. That's basically the point, is that you've got a whole lot of teams that are all not contenders, and you've got teams that couldn't even look competent like Vancouver in divisions where there weren't a lot of very good teams. And so I, I just wonder now that we're looking back on this North Division, what we think about these groups, how far they might actually be from contention, and whether the results of this season are being thrown out or whether they're being looked at as wow, actually there's a lot more pressure here because these groups are further than we thought. Well, at any given moment, you only have, what, five contenders in the league? Maybe ten at the most? Okay, but uh, then there's know. teams I think that can win. And, like, I think that the if Leafs, Minnesota... Okay, let's get to it. The Leafs could have won the Cup this year. I still stand by that. Like, I know it was a face plant, but I, I hate this whole North was not that good stuff because, you know, when I look at the West, yeah, Vegas and Colorado, top-tier teams, whichever team comes out of that and has a chance to win the Cup... Beyond that, their division was junk, and there wasn't a lot of high-level competition being played there. You know, I, I think that you can look at the Minnesota the wasn't and, junk. Minnesota okay, wasn't I'm, junk. I'm being a little, but yeah. I, I just think that this thing took on a life of its own. People like trolling the North because obviously there's a disproportionate amount of coverage and attention on it yeah. uh, because the sport gets more eyeballs and all that in Canada. And I, I just don't think it was as bad as people said remotely. You know, even people are pointing to, you know, the, the scoring list and how so many of those guys were from the north. Well, it's like any other given year, you know, Marner, uh, you know, Shifley, 
Dreisaitl, Matthews, McDavid, like those guys were all top 10 scorers in prior years too. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't know what to make of it all, but I will say this. I actually think Montreal, especially if they get Vegas, I think they match up decently well against the Golden Knights. And yep. I mean, if Montreal gets to the cup final, I, I know we'll, we'll view it. You, you, look, you got to have some good fortune along the way, but I mean, I, I do think that there were contenders in the North and, and the Leafs were one and, and Montreal looks like one too. Well, okay, so let's do that then. Let's do that thought experiment, and we're going to be able to see whether we were right or whether we were wrong and what the conversations are off of that because some people are holding back on making an assessment of this division until they see how Montreal, who's on a really ridiculous run here of not even trailing in a hockey game, if they continue to look somewhere close to that and even go deep into a six or seven game series against either Colorado or Vegas, their opinions might change. Is that fair? Like, is there more pressure than we realize on this division and where you view your hockey team if you played in this division on that series? Probably. And and look, I, I think what Montreal is missing is elite level talent. But mm-hmm. you know they're a darn good team, and they're playing a really good team game now. You know the the elimination game against Winnipeg. I think they gave up sixteen shots. Um, you know, maybe not the best representation. Winnipeg was a wounded animal at that point. But still, you know, I think what we even saw in the Leafs series is, yeah, Carey Price was good at the end, but the Leafs didn't generate the kind of chances you would expect a team with their high-level scorers to in those games. And so, you know, all, all things considered, I think Montreal is built a little bit for the playoffs here. And, you know, the reason I think they match up well with Vegas is because Vegas, fundamentally, if there was one issue there, is they don't score as much as some of the other top teams in the league, they, they struggle. We saw the goals dry up on them last year in the bubble when they got to the Western Conference Final. I think that in a tight, close-scoring series, like it might be, you know, some pretty heavy hockey uh, likely to be played if it ends up being Vegas-Montreal. And then with Carey Price there, I mean, I, I can see the circumstances or the conditions in place where, you know, Montreal does find a way to play through and reach the Cup Final. Um, you know, the Leafs were a little more high-powered dynamic, and Montreal found a way to neutralize it at least enough to, to get through and win in the first round. And, you know, obviously I think we've seen their confidence grow and, and their team play growth, you know, during that time. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's a lot of pressure on the Canadian teams. I don't think the North division ended up being that bad of an experiment. If anything, I just got tired of seeing the same seven teams play each other, but that that's the same with the other divisions. And in a future world, I realize that they're going to transition back to the normal divisions. I wouldn't mind seeing them stick with the North, but just with more balanced play league wide. Yeah, I would have thought the same thing too until the Leafs got so embarrassed that every night would just be Canadian teams in that building and fans eventually in that building and Leafs fans who are already going to be disengaged with a regular season next year uh, having to eat it even worse than they ever have before. So, yeah, that's a tough one for me. I, I don't know, man. The way that I see it right now, and this has just been – this is just my opinion, but I think that there's three teams in the Central that could have won. I think that there's four teams in the East that could have won. I think that there's three teams in the West that could have won, and I haven't seen a team in the North that looked like they could win. And, yeah, we can play the ifs, ends, or buts games with Toronto, and maybe, and maybe there was more there. I would still say that, yes, they would probably give you the best chance based on everything that we saw, but they didn't. They lost. And Like, are you including Florida in your central? Yes. Come I like on. Florida. I mean, Florida lost in six games in round one. Like, how can you say the Leafs couldn't have won and Florida could have won? Because I just thought they lost to a far, like a vastly superior opponent. And I looked at their regular season where they had a goal differential that was like exactly Toronto's with three teams that I thought were much more competent in that group. So I just look at the way that they were, which is, yeah, goal differential of 36. I think the Leafs was something like 40. 
Call, and it like, went Panthers six games. Had the most they goal. started three different goaltenders in that series, right. too. I just I, I, I think it's going to be actually pretty interesting. I think Toronto and Florida are like pretty close. I think that they're good teams, but I just thought Toronto didn't look like a team that I can really trust in the postseason when you drop 3-1 series leads. Like it just It's hard for me to do it. I do think that they're a good team. I think they had a good room. I think that there's a lot of hot takes flying around, including some from me, but I can't put you in contender... <laughs> I can't put you in contender category when you blow a 3-1 lead to Montreal. I'm just sorry. I can't do it. It's hard for me to look at that and not say you could win when I watch them fold the way that they folded in that series, the way that they came out in game six. Like, I'm not forgetting those things. I'm remembering very much what Toronto looked like and when they came out in game six and when they came out in game seven, and I say that's not a team that's ready to win hockey games. I'm sorry. Do you, I don't, do you remember I, I, when they were out shooting them like six to two after tying game five and nearly yeah. scoring when they that's had the awesome. first 10 shots of overtime in game six and Montreal was on fumes and mm-hmm. was right about to die and then gets one shot that goes off Bogosian shin pad or whatever it hit? Sure I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not, look at, I'm not excusing the Leafs and I actually think it's fine to criticize them and critique them, but. I, I don't think they were that far off in that series. I think that the bounces didn't go their way, and that's a, a part of what happened here. I will say that that Winnipeg series and the Montreal series, like watching those two teams and then flipping over and watching any of the other games is a completely different version of hockey. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, look, I mean, we're, we're talking about two of the best teams. Colorado and, and Vegas each could have won the Cup in prior seasons. You know, they've been they've been building towards this. You know, Colorado in particular – you know, had a pretty big off season last year. I guess adding Alex Petrangelo has changed even what Vegas had had done. I mean, these these are teams that are all in to win. And and you know, I would I, I actually the one thing that I'm disappointed by just from curiosity's sake is not getting to see the Leafs play one of those teams. No doubt. Uh, because I I do think it would have been interesting to see them against one of the other heavyweights in the league to see where they're truly at. Because that 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 was hard to judge from afar. Um, you know, just because it it was such different. It was just such a different year with, with everyone playing such a narrow range of opponents. Yeah, that's what my main point of curiosity is here, is that if Montreal gets browbeaten, which I, right. again, do not think that they will, but even still, when we've looked at these teams like Winnipeg, where we were mu- measuring Toronto against Winnipeg throughout the course of the regular season, or when we were giving them flowers for sweeping a team that got swept in more meaningful games to a team that got swept by Montreal, how we're evaluating some of this stuff. Like, but not I just us. Think like, just the front internally. office care. Yes, like, yes, 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 yes. Like, are they like? Who cares what we think? And we can do our hot well, takes. I care what, what I think. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. But it's not impactful for what this team does in the off season, <laughs> right? It's not impactful to what we're yeah. doing in the off season. It's like we can talk about how painful it might be. Hey, do you want the Montreal Canadiens to to go deep? Do you want them to make a Cup final? Because then you can be like, oh, we went seven against the 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 Cup finalists. Okay, I suppose. I don't know. Do front offices have those conversations? Is that a legitimate thing? Because it is more of a coin flip sport, and I get that, and it's a war of attrition and injuries and yada, yada, yada. There's a randomness to it, but it's all they've got because they didn't play any of those teams during the regular season. Yeah, I, I don't think that provides much comfort, to be honest, even if that's how it plays out, Ben, because, you know, that that was good in 2019. You know, the Leafs were probably should have beat Boston in round one, certainly had the opportunity to do so with two closeout games. Then Boston goes all the way that spring to, to game seven of the cup final and loses to St. Louis. I think that was a time if you're in the Leafs management box where you're thinking, okay, you know, with that, this is a sign we're on the right track. I, I, I think that there's, there's not much room for moral or, you know, empty victories for them like that. Now I almost think if you're in the Leafs front office, it doesn't really matter what Montreal does next. If they get swept, if they yeah. go and win a cup, I, I don't think it changes really their objective. I mean, the crazy thing is, and I, I'm, 
I don't know if Montreal makes a playoffs next year based on what we know today. I mean, obviously there's off-season moves to come, but with the Atlantic getting back together and having Tampa, Boston, Florida, Toronto uh, there, you know, it's possible they're the fifth of those teams, uh, which is crazy, and yet they could still win a cup this year. I mean, this sport is nuts sometimes. Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, Shane O'Brien was on our show last week, and I thought he made a pretty astute point, which is he feels bad for general managers sometimes because – it's almost like you got to build two different teams, one for the regular season to get you to the top and then one for the playoffs. And it's really hard to balance both. And yeah, I, I do look at that and think, man, uh, I wonder if that's what the Leafs are, is if they are a regular season team. And this is my main thing is like, okay, I believe they were a good team. I, I crowed and crawled and stood on rooftops and talked about how they were going to be in this position that Montreal is in and that they were going to cakewalk their way through. And yeah, I do think there are alternate timelines of Tavares staying healthy and game six, not having the Dermot turnover or the Galchenyuk pizza that they get there and that these narratives are completely different, but they're not. And the other part of it is that your the lead reporter essentially like everything I've seen on what's going to happen with Hyman from the standpoint of money and if he's getting more than five and a half million dollars like we were talking about this with Bourne um go through the list of guys in the NHL that were his age that played his way that did what he provided for a hockey team and find me the good contracts like it's not very many and yet, if you don't bring Zach Hyman back, I don't think that you're a better hockey team. Like, it's hard for me to understand how you do it. Everyone's expecting some version of a shakeup. But I think most of us are starting to reconcile with it's probably not going to be a core guy. The biggest piece that maybe gets moved out is someone like Morgan Riley, who is a pending free agent the following year. And you don't want to lose him for nothing. But So I've started to look at the free agents. And I know this is probably way too soon. And even asking you a question like this is probably really unfair, given where we are in the season. But... Man, you look at this list of free agents, and it's a lot of guys that you would consider to be those, like, playoff type of guys who are right there getting that kind of similar Zach Hyman contract where you're probably overpaying to a degree for intangibles. Like, Blake Coleman is there. Brennan Saad is there. Kyle Palmieri is there. Um, I know Corey Perry, who apparently wanted to be a Maple Leaf, is going to be there. I know he's older. He's not kind of fits in that mold. But, like, Casey Zizekas, Joel Armia. Like, go down the list. There's a ton of those dudes available this year. And I, and I wonder, because there are so many, and it is a flat cap, could Toronto end up actually finding really, really good value behind someone like Hyman if he does walk? Or are we going to see more of those guys actually get paid like the Hymans because of what's happened in this playoffs and it's a copycat league? Well, I think that's most likely to happen. I mean, nothing is written in stone. But, you know, it's I'm having trouble seeing a scenario where from a business standpoint, it makes sense for Zach Hyman to stay and where it makes sense for the Leafs to pay what I think the market's willing to pay him should he get the free agency on July 28th. Mm-hmm. And so if if that ends up being the case, and, and I do think that's kind of where the indicators are at uh, at this early stage in the offseason, then, you know, for sure, the Leafs, they have to find some value. I mean, if, if we're going to take our Panthers example, you got to have an offseason where you're maybe finding someone like Carter Verhege, as, as Florida did last year, and you know, was able to sign him to a two-year deal pretty cheap, and he was able to play with some of their, their better offensive players, put up his best season by far in the NHL. Um, you know, I think that you'll see them go value hunting in that way. You know, I also think there's probably at least one big shakeup to come. You know, wh- whether that's a trade for a decent player, which I think is a possibility, or maybe one larger free agent than the value guys. I mean, I think there's really only room for sort of one of those kind of acquisitions. Uh, assuming they're keeping the top four intact, which I believe to be the case, as, as they said. And so, yeah, this will be a large... I mean, at the end of the day, 
it's not to say you couldn't endeavor to build a, a more deep team around the stars, but the reason the Leafs aren't still playing right now is because they didn't get enough production at the top end of their roster where they spend the money. And I think that will be the same case next year. Like whether or not it's a successful playoffs will probably hinge on the way those guys play come playoff time. And, and so, yes, all this other stuff is worth discussing and breaking down. But at the end of the day, it's, it's window dressing. I think the Leafs are going to go on a long playoff run if, if some version of Marner, Matthews, Nylander, and Tavares have monster springs. You know, if, if, they, if they channel what Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point did last year or what they appear to be doing again this season and you know, have a 30-point spring, then the Leafs will probably play four rounds. If, if, they, if they don't, it's going to be hard for them to get through a series because I just don't think spending 700000 to $1.5 on you know, your bottom six forwards, you, you can't count on those guys. Yeah, obviously you want some contributions there. You know, we see this Ross Colton, for example. Tampa's got a couple goals. Like, you need a couple guys chipping in. But really, the success or failure of the Lightning has been their top guys that are eating up the cap. And I think that will be the case in Toronto here, too. Yeah, and I would argue that Jason Spezza gave them that. Yeah. He did. did. Well, even even Alex Kerfoot, for where he is on the roster, I think he had six points. You know, Spezza had five. You got a couple goals. You know, Muzzin had two goals. Brody had a goal in that series. I mean, you had all the depth scoring. Like, I've seen a whole bunch of people. I think this market's getting it wrong. Honestly, I've seen a whole bunch of people focusing on the Leafs' depth and saying that was the issue. It wasn't why they didn't beat Montreal. I mean, of course, you could always endeavor and hope to have better depth. You could hope to have better players step in when someone like Tavares goes down with an injury or Felino can't play. But, like, at the end of the day, there was two forwards playing 23, 24 minutes a night who were top five scorers in the league and produced at less than a point per game. And I know that's harsh. And I'm not saying they played totally awful. You know, some of it is just the results weren't there. But that's the reason why the Leafs lost that series. I think Brendan Shanahan said it without saying it uh, in his postseason conference. He kind of pointed everyone in that direction. And I I tend to agree with that. I I think that this isn't a case where we have to say the whole roster was flawed or or this or that. You know, I just think you needed a better spring from your top guys than than what they got. Yeah, I mean, that's there's... No doubt about that. They got two goals from that line total and one from the guy who scored you 41 goals during the regular season. You mentioned... And if they score one more goal, they're still playing and maybe they had a big second round and all this was forgotten. Like, that's the crazy part of all of it. I hate that, though, because they played so poorly in 5, 6, and 7. Like, and I know the overtimes were great. I just, like, that's true. That is that is true. get harder but... as they go on, and those guys were less impactful as it went on. And so, yeah, yeah that's just, that's the way I got to grade it. Um, and I love I, you. Got to look. You need Braden points, man. Like I tweeted out his numbers last night, and I don't have them handy, but but like he's a great regular season player. He's like a superstar in the playoffs. Like he's elevating and finding a way. I mean, I, and and I actually think these guys can do that too. Like I, I don't. I'm not going to look at one spring, and I know you're going to bring up 18 straight games for Marner without a goal. I, I think that they need to look at ways to maybe change the way they play a little bit in the playoffs because it doesn't get done the same way, but. That's what you need to win. You you need those star guys that can get even better when when it matters most. Yeah, would be nice. Um, one of those guys though that did get better, and he actually earned his money because it was. And you mentioned him. There was times where we were talking about Alex Kerfoot on the fourth line, or maybe like even out of the lineup. But he actually did the thing that you're like, can he can he be one a centerman? He was this team's second line center, and I see a lot of predictions about how you free up cap space and I mean he's the only logical guy because you got no more Andreas Janssen's no more Kasperi Kapanen's uh, he's the guy and like the idea that you would just let him walk to the Kraken to free up that three and a half million dollars did he change his perceived value with this team maybe a little bit I, I just think the trouble they have in general is, is having a middle class I mean 
uh, at forward. You know, obviously some of the defensemen they've signed longer term or sort of occupy that spot. But if you look at the last three off season, there's there's a common denominator between Kadri, JVR, Bozak, Kapanen, Andreas Janssen. You know, the, the truth is they all make somewhere between three to five million dollars. Yeah. Uh, in, in JVR's case, he got a lot more than that in free agency. But my my point stands that that you know that's where he was at when he walked out the door, and, and the Leafs just can't afford if they're keeping the top four where they are to, to pay going right there. So I, I think at this point in time, Kerfoot's probably a little bit overpaid for what he brings specifically to this team. Not to say, look, if he went to the Kraken and he's played, you know, what was the story of Vegas? Vegas, you know, in the first year was a whole bunch of guys that got to play higher in the lineup than they ever had in the NHL, and they succeeded, at least enough of them did, to make that team be good. You know, maybe you know, top-line Alex Kerfoot on an expansion team is very productive because clearly he hasn't had the power play looks in Toronto and he's mostly been a third-liner on this team. And so I think he's a luxury they probably can't truly afford. And I do think there's at least a possibility he ends up in Seattle or perhaps traded, if if not to Seattle. And I think that's ultimately why Hyman's probably not coming back. I mean, he's another guy that's going to be a middle-class sort of earner in, in, in the scope of the NHL. And, and I just don't think that works for the least payroll structure. So... You know, I would be surprised if either of them are back. Honestly, it's not to say it's impossible. I think there's ways you can make it happen. But if you free up those, you know, if you lose those two guys, uh, which is what, about $6 million right there, and then you lose Frederick Anderson and replace him perhaps with a goaltender making less, I mean, that that's where you have the money to play with to, to make some higher impact signings or, or acquisitions by trade. Yeah, the Leafs are the ultimate pl- pandemic team. Wealth inequality. It's like you're either at the very top or you're at the very bottom, and it's only going to grow more and more because they're going to lose the Hymans, they're going to lose the Kerfoots, and maybe they're going to end up losing a guy like Morgan Riley at the $5 million mark. And so I don't think depth is the issue. I do think that it was fair to point out that they picked the wrong old guys because they did, and they played Joe Thornton too much, and it was probably... Uh, a fair criticism of Sheldon Keefe when we were looking at some of the things that he did wrong was the deployment of guys like that. And that, yeah, it's fair to criticize Kyle Dubas because, sure, maybe the room was good, but you lost in the urgency and those guys being big game players or whatever, it, it didn't work out. I guess where I'm coming to with this free agent stuff or where I'm coming to with the depth questions is if they are going to roll back the big four, which we're kind of getting the sense that they are, and that there might still be a shakeup and they shuffle some pieces around, that's all fine and good. But are they still in a position, like, have you heard any buzz that they're not as attractive as they were a season ago when you did have veteran players that were lining up to take less? And Spets is a, a unique example, I think, at this point. Like, you can't really count him. But if we're looking at guys like, say, if Corey Perry wanted to be here, and those guys saw the fallout of what happened to Joe Thornton and what happened to this team in the postseason and the criticism from the fan base and the coverage from the media – has that bloom sort of come off the rose a little bit of, well, you can go to Toronto and win and they've got this great core that can win that it's just, it, maybe it's not as appealing as it once was a year ago. I think it's fair to guess that. I haven't really heard that from, you know, like agents or someone that would really have a pulse or, or players mm-hmm. making those decisions. I think the market will probably tell us a little bit about that this summer. At the end of the day though, if you're looking at places you can go play the Leafs do have stars, and I know those guys haven't won, and, and until they win, they're not branded winners. They're, you know, there's questions about whether they can do it still. But I, I just think veteran players will still view this as an appealing opportunity, you know, especially if we're getting back to a world where hopefully by the fall Toronto's actually opening up and it's a nice city to live in, a fun place to play with fans. You know, I, I think that there will still be some hope springing eternal around this franchise 
when it comes to free agents because their core players are still coming into their own and, and reasonably, I think there's still room for each of them to get better, at least Marner Matthews in terms of where they're at with their age curves. So, you know, I, I do think they'll be able to get guys there. I'm, I'm wondering though, if we see them go after maybe younger free agents, you know, I, I do think Jason Spezza will be back, but beyond him, uh, they, they might've went a little overboard with, you know, getting Simmons and Thornton uh, and, and Spezza trading for Polino. Although, you know, I haven't looked into this yet, but I do wonder if there's a room to bring Felino back with just how that went. You know, it obviously didn't go the way the Leafs or, or he would want, and maybe maybe because it was such a disaster in the sense that he didn't get a chance to prove his best, it was a one-and-done playoff series. Um, you know, maybe they, they look at bringing him back on, on an affordable deal because, you know, he's kind of invested in trying to be part of a winner in Toronto. Um, but I, I don't think they'll go quite as heavy on the veteran leadership thing. I, I do believe... You know, some of the players they're they're bringing in to compete for the and play on those bottom six spots will will be sort of middle tier free agents, and then there should be a couple guys from the Marlies too. Even just a guy like Joey Anderson, we'll see where Nick Robertson's at. I, I think you'll see this team shift a little bit younger uh, come next season. Yeah, I uh, I brought up the Felino thing as part of the reason why I think you should trade for him is that you know if things went well at the time, I thought maybe he would be willing to be one of those guys that takes a veteran deal because. Everyone brings up the Columbus roots and that he wants to get back to Columbus, but I thought, yeah, but isn't Columbus just going to be a position next year where they're looking at dealing him at the deadline again? Like, I don't know. It just feels like that that might not be as obvious. Um, we got to run, so just I need a kind of a quick answer on this one. But if Colorado gets bounced, is Nazem Kadri going to get more blame? And do you think it's possible that he gets dealt similarly to what happened in Toronto where they say, we can't trust you, I'm sorry, but we have too rich, of, uh, too important of a core and you got to go, even if there's only one year left on this deal and you make cheap money? I think it's possible, yeah, I do. Because, you know, they got to pay Landis Cog, they got McKinnon coming up in two years. You know, they have, they have some important financial decisions to make and he wouldn't be at the top of their list. And obviously the way this has gone, I mean, it's sad for Nazem. I really like Nazem as a person. But, but uh, you know, he could, he could end up missing all the last games if they go down in game six without playing, similar to what happened in those Boston series. And um, I do think it's possible, even if he does come back and play, that, that he's traded this offseason uh, just because they're kind of in a shifting spot with their roster. CJ, great stuff as always, pal. Talk again soon. Yeah, all right, guys. See ya. See ya. See ya. Chris Johnson, Sportsnet NHL Insider. Headlines on Hockey Night in Canada. 